This is an ABC podcast. I'm I'm notoriously early, <laughs> so there's contrast. My husband's always late. Oh, how infuriating. I find that if we go away on holiday with another heterosexual couple and their kids, mm. often by the end of the week, I'm like, this woman could be my life Yes. Partner. Ladies We Need to Talk is standing by to record with writer Jamila Rizvi. The guest who's late is writer and musician Claire Bowditch, one of Jamila's closest friends. Hi, Charlie. Hey, love. Oh, shit, who's calling and calling? Nice thing. Hello. Humble apologies, though. That's the latest I've ever been. Jamila looks at me slyly. (laughs) We invited Claire and Jamila to Ladies We Need to Talk to pull back the curtain on female friendship, an untapped force powerful enough to solve the energy crisis. It has been a bin fire of a couple of years. The pandemic has messed with so many parts of our lives. People have died. Marriages have ended. Jobs have been lost. Borders have opened and shut and opened and shut. Kids have driven us mad. And the future is uncertain. For those of us shouldering the burden of this weird new world, overwhelmingly what has gotten us through this shit show are our friendships. In this episode of Ladies We Need to Talk, we're putting pen to paper to say, hey, thank you for being amazing. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about our awesome female friendships. Who would you call in an emergency? You know when you fill out one of those forms, in case of emergency, whose name would we write? Because if we're partnered, we usually put them down. But in a real emergency, like a real emergency, who would you call? Like let's say you got a terrible haircut or you were in a crowded bar and you brushed up against Taika Waititi or you sneezed and a blood clot hit your boss in the eye. Who would you need to call immediately? Or what about this? Let's say you're Kate Winslet, right? And you're floating in the ocean on a wooden door and Leonardo DiCaprio is bobbing around in the water next to your best friend. They're both reaching out with beseeching hands. So whose hands are you grabbing? Okay, maybe don't answer that, but listen up. UCLA did a study on the importance of female friendships and surprise, surprise, they discovered that they are special. They found that female friendships are good for our health. The study showed that seeking out your female mates for a chat, a cuppa or a cuddle in times of stress increased oxytocin, which is known as the love hormone, and it counters stress and provides a calming effect. I need to tell you that when Claire did show up at the hospital, she brought Oh, here we the, go. She brought the, Here we go. the only laugh of that day. Like it was a weird day when you're sitting there with your husband and your sister signing forms that say, "Yeah, someone can cut my head open tomorrow." It is a weird day. And Claire showed up and she's like, "I've brought you some good luck charms." And I was like, "Okay. I'm not really into the woo-woo." And she sits down, and she starts unpackaging things and she's got her mother's rosary, which was so kind. And then she was like, "And then I've got this box and it's oh, 
And she kind of pauses and I'm like, what's in the box? And she's like, oh, I've bought the wrong box. And I was like, what's in the box? And she's like, oh, all the kids' teeth. I was like, oh, good. And that was the day I realised that not every family saves their children. No, it's disgusting. Anyway, so... The father, Jamila, your husband, everyone was at me. One of my final thoughts the next morning before going into brain surgery was, if I die, they're going to have to go into the locker and unpack my stuff, and they're going to find three sets of children's teeth. (laughs) If the test of a good friend is making you laugh when facing serious brain surgery and contemplating your own possible demise, then Claire has passed. Look, it feels like forever ago, but it was we're coming up to our first decade anniversary, so it's still quite a young friendship, really. Both public figures, Claire Bowditch and Jamila Rizvi, met for the first time at an interview where Jamila asked Claire the questions. We had to have a cup of tea together and do an interview. And I remember the Claire's people said, she doesn't have very long, you've got 15 minutes for this interview, so do it quickly. And they interrupted us at the, like, 40-minute mark. And I was like, <laughs> we've only just got started. <laughs> it was after a long day of interviews and you think you're exhausted, but... When I met Jamila, who I really knew very little about, she lit me up. And I thought, oh, she's a bright button. I like her. And hours, well, an hour flew by until they dragged me out by my hair and said, it's enough now. Next interview. I do remember we toasted Beyonce with our tea. <laughs> I remember that too. And I remember my initial thought was, my gosh, she's like a Kardashian. Jamila was at the time working in the media and her hair was really beautiful. And I was struck by this glorious, intelligent woman. And I remember thinking to myself, I do hope I get to see her again. Every good love story has a meet cute. This is the way that a couple meets. And in corny movies, it's often cute. And as fate would have it, not long afterwards, we were again brought together. This time at an event I was working at for a champagne company. Jamila was there once again enjoying the high life. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so pleased to see her across the room. And we struck up a conversation there where Jamila told me that she would be moving to Melbourne soon. Ah. And I said, I don't have any friends. Can you be my friend, please? (laughs) Look, it wasn't quite that overt, but um, I thought, fantastic. You know, at the time I was in a very busy period of life, but my way of catching up with buddies was to go on early morning walks. And my new friend was willing to go on these early morning walks with me. And that's really where we got to know each other. We'll come back to the story of Jamila and Claire's fledgling friendship in a moment. But this is about you and your friendships. The UCLA study found that female friends help to quiet our critical inner voices. They fill the emotional gaps in our marriages and they help us remember who we really are. So, we asked you to write a love letter to a great friend to express your gratitude and love. And far out, you really delivered. Grab the tissues, ladies. All right, Yumi, this is take three because this is bloody hard to do without crying, but here I go. Hello. I just realised we always answer the phone to each other like that and how annoying that must be for anyone else who has to listen to it. Not going to stop now, though. To my dearest Jo, in 2010 I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. I was petrified. I was anxious. Through the haze and the darkness, I noticed you, Jo, And to my utter shock and surprise, you accepted me and you loved me anyway. Not only are you my older sister, but you're also my dearest friend. 
And I've had a lot of time to think about this in lockdown in the UK because I miss you so much. I think what makes our friendship so special and so unique is that it's not based on the fact that we're sisters, but it's because we actively choose to be in each other's lives in a way that I find incredible. Because you're two years older than me, it means I've looked up to you my entire life and you're a much smarter and kinder and more empathetic person than I could ever hope to be. Also, you've always had better boobs. But like I said, you're a much better person than me and so you'll never admit it. So much is different in our lives and so much is different in the world and I miss you all the time. I love you and I'm so proud of you. This is just really to celebrate you and how brilliant you are And thank you so much for letting me be your friend. The greatest loss of my life. Oh, here I go again. Came in March 2012. When our darling bub died in utero at 21 weeks gestation, I thought I would die from grief. And still, Joe, he was there. to support me, to cry with me, to bring me cherry ripes and champagne, to clean my house, to just be with me. I can't really explain how much you mean to me. While Claire Bowditch and Jamila Rizvi found that it was pretty much a mutual love fest from the second they laid eyes on each other, this was at a time in their lives when things were going pretty smoothly. But they found it was in the moments of pain and tragedy that they forged a deeper friendship. It's sort of like you have had a smooth surface and then all of a sudden, you know, a change in in identity or something tragic is like glue being poured onto that surface. I think that's where friendship can help anchor us and also where friendship, friends can reassure us. You know, there's been times in my life in my friendship with Jamila where I've really needed a trusted voice of reason because the voice of self-doubt in my own head or, you know, the the voice of sadness has been really loud. To have a dear friend um, who sees you through times when you can't see yourself very well, this is the most precious, precious, precious gift. A few years ago, Jamila was diagnosed with a rare type of brain tumour. In Jamila's own words, she entered a revolving door of surgeries, recovery, radiation, scans, fatigue, blood tests, medications, disability and devastation. I think really serious illness does start to separate your friendships into categories. There are those friendships that fall away and hopefully there aren't many of them. There are those friendships who are kind and giving during that period, but from a distance. They're the ones that send flowers or come around and have a cup of tea once or so after you've been ill. And then there are the ones like Claire. And Claire, when there is hard stuff, she runs towards the fire. You know, I like to think I'm one of those people. I don't know if I am, but I know for sure that Claire is. I know that if someone she loved was in a burning building, she wouldn't pause. And when I was really sick, she she leaned in more. You've had brain surgery and a, and a serious illness, Jamila, and Claire, you've been through your own trials. Do you mind if we talk about that? Yes. Um, I was going to try and make a joke, but there's really no way to do that. <laughs> For some reason... 
In my friendship group and in my family, the last couple of years have been an enormous time of unexpected and rude loss. You know, we've lost very dear friends. And last year we lost my mother to pancreatic cancer. And it's been identity shaking because those pillars of steadiness and normality that were always a little fragile in someone like me who who lost my sister young anyway, where really the Band-Aid was just ripped off again and again. Claire's beloved mum, known as Maria the True, died during Melbourne's extended COVID lockdown. It was a lonely, difficult time and Jamila's friendship was a refuge. It's meant that I have needed um, places where I can be honest because that level of sadness and grief is something that can really bring the mood down generally. Um, but it was, the, it's hard to describe the 18 months Claire's had. Like it was just, it has been too much. Like I know life is unfair and that's how it goes. And I haven't had a great few years either, but it has just felt like cruelty after cruelty to the point that I felt like going outside and shaking my fist at the sky a little bit. No one no one would cope well with what you've been through the last few years. You're entitled to be sad. Thank you, darling. The night that we were finally able to get my darling mum out of palliative care where all visitors were banned and home to her house where my sisters and my brother and I could care for her in her final month of life. And there's a sort of knock at the door and and I, I walk out and there is a, an enormous basket from nowhere, filled with all sorts of things like, I don't know, a, a handmade cookies, a Lee Sales book, Pictionary, some paint by numbers, things like this. <laughs> enormous <laughs> random basket of just things that would literally cheer my sisters and I up. And it's just a, a little thing that Jamila does for everyone. I think she actually spent her, her annual wage last year on just delivering random baked goods to humans who she heard might need a little lifting up. 2020 was a bit of a stress test on a lot of friendships. You were both in Melbourne, probably the worst city to be in during during 2020. How did the pandemic affect your friendship? Well, one of the things that was hard is that Claire's super tactile and I think not being able to hug. Yeah. And we aren't within one another's five kilometre radius Hence yeah. me getting an air tasker to bring a basket to Claire's mum. You know, I was illegally not allowed to go to her. And yeah. I think I found that hard. I found knowing Claire was hurting and not being able to just get in the car and go over when I felt like I could help. Dear Ayanna, I couldn't stop thinking about you last night and I wondered why people write their boyfriends and girlfriends love letters but not their best friends. Kate is my best friend of over 15 years. We've been through so much together and she's hilarious. She's deadly. She's one of the best people I know. And she was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer the day that I gave birth to my third child. Uh, She didn't tell me for a week because she didn't want to spoil the joy that I had. So Kate has outlived her predicted death date by over a year. And I just, all the time that we spend together is coloured with this knowledge and I don't know what I'm going to do without her. From the moment I met you slash you forced me to bump hips with you, I have been enamoured by you. You give me a kick up the bum when I doubt myself 
You're always there to comb the banana chunks out of my hair or tell everyone I put super glue on my nose or just remind me that even if it's a goddamn movie and not a reflection of reality, it's okay to cry. I can't imagine living a life without you in it. You are my person, my life partner, and my best friend. I love you so much, Ayanna. Thank you for being you. So what do you get from your friendship with each other that you don't get from your partners? (laughs) A lot of things. (laughs) I, I need to preface this by saying two things. We both have excellent other halves. Excellent romantic partners. I was swallowing at the time, so I couldn't agree. But yes, I, yeah. I, I am in agreement. Yeah. We also have partners who are very similar, mm. which is a bit weird. They're emotional. They're emotionally landscape. similar. Yeah, how they may enter a room emotionally and be in a marriage emotionally is very, very similar. Which means I think we have very common uh, space with which to be furious at them <laughs> and to require the aid of the other. Claire has that capacity to sit and just be and allow for space for sadness when there's sadness or allow for space for anger. I, I remember when when I first got sick, everyone said different things, some helpful, some not at all helpful, like everything happens for a reason. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> Claire came around and she was the only one who found a positivity, a genuine potential positive in me being unwell. And that sounds really trite and gross and it just wasn't. And I don't remember a lot about that time, but you came over the day I was diagnosed and Claire said, difficulty and sadness and pain like this makes you more empathetic and you will come out of this and empathy will be your superpower. And she's the only one in three years since I got sick who has said there's a positive in all of this. And as someone who is a doer and who likes to be better (laughs) and who likes to find the good in a situation, Claire found it for me when I couldn't, even though I was searching really hard. What Jamila does for me is always reminds me of my stronger self, allows me to give permission to what is and holds a little light for a truer story, you know, a truer story that this is where we're at in this moment and this is not where we will always be at, but we're there now and you still have something to contribute. This is a love letter to my friend Nicola, who I've known nearly 20 years. We are yin and yang. She always asks me advice on things like marriage and parenthood, even though she's probably better at all of those things than I am, but yet she makes me feel like my advice is important. She supported me through a really trying pregnancy last year and just had such delight when I finally announced that my baby was born and all she does for me is support me and love me and... I just feel better whenever I'm with her and I enjoy every second second I spend with her. Love you, Nick. Dear best friend, I love you because my grandmother's pink ceramic horse bookends ended up in your house after you found them at an op shop. And it was just like a sign from above that we were meant to be together. I love you because you always know when to hold my hand. 
but the truth in your magic lies in the way you listen. You just listen. You don't wait your turn to talk like I do. You just listen. You don't offer anecdotal advice based on something you saw on Instagram. You just listen. And then you make me laugh. A great big, inappropriate, all-consuming laugh. I think you're wonderful and I love you. You're probably the most intelligent person I know, but humbly so. And you're certainly the backbone of your circle of friends. I'm pleased you're in the world and you're in my world. And it's my greatest wish that all women have a mate like you in their circle. Love you, Kels. Your adoring and slightly neurotic friend, Hannah. Okay, so this episode is called A Love Letter to Our Friends. I don't know who wants to go first, but what would your love letter say? I love you. I honestly love you. Claire's is a singing telegram. I think I'm done. <laughs> your turn. Screw you. <laughs> um, being asked, did anyone pre-prepare? Yes. It's all up here. <laughs> okay, good. Who's going first? Of course I have to go first. And then yours will be better. I'm it's hand gesturing. It's, it's not, not fair. Mine will be a response. All right. Am I, am I genuinely saying, starting with dear Claire, Yumi? Is yes, that what I'm doing? please All do. Right. <coughs> She's covering her face. No, I am because I don't know that we've ever done anything like this without me crying and I'm trying. Okay, don't look at me. hard to not look right. at you. I'm just closing my eyes. Dear Claire, I grew up with a poster of you on my wall <laughs> at age 18. And most kids don't still have posters on their walls at 18 because they've grown out of that. I had not. I fell in love with you for the first time through your music because you put, and you do this for so many people, you put words and you put sounds around the feelings that I can't articulate. And I don't think that, teenager who was so unready for the world could possibly have imagined the friendship that we have now, but she would have been so chuffed. (laughs) You are the most tactile of my friends. I don't think anything makes me feel better the way that a hug from Claire does. You give me space for all of my big, complex, messy feelings You help me sort through them and sift through them and find meaning in them. You have a generosity of spirit that I have never, ever, ever witnessed in another human being. And you have talent that is beyond words. And the only frustration I have with that talent, other than you trying to make me sing all the time, is that you don't see it the same way I do. Because I am your friend of seven, eight years now, and I am still in awe of you the way I was when I was 18. Wow, that was amazing. Thanks, Jam. What a cow. Look at that. She's just done it again. <laughs> I've got some things to say to you. I'm not looking either. Excuse me while I just... I oh, you did write it down. <laughs> you... Oh. Here we go. No, she's pulling out a box of teeth. <laughs> Just made some notes here. Dear darling Jamila Rizvi, what a surprise and delight your friendship has been to me. 
but it's throughout the course of watching you become a woman and a mother and through the experience of observing the incredible courage, guts and generosity that you've shown over the last few years as your health has challenged you, as your idea of yourself has changed, this is where I learnt to love you forever. Sometimes I think of your son and your husband and your family and all the people that you call friends and I wonder, do they know how lucky they are to have a Jamila in their life? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. I feel very, very lucky to have your friendship in my life. And I don't know if I would have got through the last year without you is the truth of it. So thank you. I had really good eye makeup. It's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys are so beautiful. Sorry, Yunz, we just really... Oh, God, what was really this about? I didn't Ugh. know we had this much sort of, Ugh. you know, soppiness in our relationship <laughs> together. I mean, who knew? It's not like we stand around Ugh. saying these things to each other. Thanks for listening, friends. And it's really not like we needed research or a podcast to tell us that true friendships keep our hearts beating. But maybe it's inspired you to write your own love letter to your friend. Or maybe it's motivated you to go and change your emergency contact person from your partner to the one you'd choose to rescue from the freezing, lonely sea and cuddle to your heart for the rest of time. You all right, Jamila? (laughs) Yeah, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm just supposed to be going to lunch. Really nice eyeshadow. (laughs) You look beautiful. As always, crying only makes you more beautiful. Oh, well, I feel oh, like now. I know you need a little lie down. <laughs> We've tucked each other out. There's what are you doing to us, you? <laughs> There's nothing more tiring than a cry. It's like an orgasm, isn't it? Like... Tim, the producer, had to leave the room because <laughs> it's, it's just got two honestly. women in here. <laughs> Thank you to Tamara, Catherine, Chami, Amy, Imogen, and Madeline, whose love letters you heard in this episode. And also a huge thanks to everybody else who contributed. The letters were gorgeous and personal and heartbreaking. Ladies, We Need to Talk wouldn't be the same without you sharing all of the personal stuff and feeling all the feels with us. If you need to give feedback about this or any other episode, please send an email to ladies at abc.net.au. Ladies We Need to Talk is produced on the lands of the Yugambe, Gurungara and Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt and a big shout-out to her sister and bestie, Kay. It's produced by Tamar Cranswick, who says thanks to all her fierce friends for always having her back. The supervising producer is Alex Lolback, who adores her mates near and far, but a special shout-out goes to JB, Meg and Sass. And our executive producer is Justine Kelly, who sends all her love to the ladies of the betting syndicate and Burn and Lou. This series was created by Claudine Ryan, who has been a sister and a lifeline to me, Yumi Steins. Ladies, we're not quite done with the female friends loving just yet. I have some witty, hilarious, pop culture savvy women with me. They are the hosts of Bang On, Zanro and Miff Warhurst. Hi, Hi. Amy. 
So, Zanon, if you two are not only co-hosts of one of my favourite podcasts, Bang On, but you're also great mates. So can you give us a bit of an insight? How did your friendship help you through the shit show that was the pandemic? Oh, goodness. Can I answer that yeah. at first and then you can follow, <laughs> Zan? Because... <laughs> We were. This lo- is how it. Ha- this is how we work through we our friendship. Were- Miff always goes first. No, by the way, this is not true. <laughs> this is absolutely. <laughs> we bicker like sisters. No, we don't. Um, but we were stuck in lockdown in Melbourne, and we even had a curfew. We couldn't leave our homes except for an hour a day. And talking to Zan on Zoom, doing bang on each week, was just so good for the soul because we got to connect. But we had something that gave the days a bit of structure or the week a bit of structure and felt like it was normal. It was beautiful. Yeah, definitely felt like each week when we were feeling, you know, some weeks were worse than others in terms of that kind of endless extension of the lockdown. Mm. And we always felt better after after bang on. So it absolutely lifted us. It was a surprise godsend. It feels like a fever dream now listening back I to know. it and thinking back to those those times. But um, yeah, we just tried to get back face to face as soon as we could. Um, and we're so grateful that we're able to do that now every week again. Yeah, and I can touch you. There's a lot of touching. Now tell us about Bang On and the Bang Fam. Well, it's pretty much your one-stop shop for all the conversations that you need to be across this week, Yumi, but you don't have the time to read think pieces for. This is key. Yeah, so many think pieces. Too many for my liking. I have to read them, but that's okay. I do enjoy it. We want to sort of make the news and pop culture easy and fun. Take it off your mental load to-do list still have something that you can chat about with your friends, but break it down and, and have a fun hangout with us as well. It's always very silly, bang on. Great. So if your hobbies include consuming massive amounts of pop culture and having interesting chats with your mates, then maybe you want a little bit of this amazing friendship, then please join Zanro and Miff Warhurst for their fantastic podcast, Bang On. Thanks, Yumi. Yeah, it's what we're banging on about. Yeah, and you can get it on... Oh, now I can't speak. You can get it in... Oh. Now I don't even know how to do it and make it sound natural. <laughs> yeah, and you can get it through your ABC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts. You know they're going to keep those bloopers in. Yeah, you? I know. I know. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Thank you, Yumi. Thanks, Yumi.